damn it! You. I thought you were pausing for me to to, to confirm. I've only done this 300 motherfucking times. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim, not stepping on anybody's lines. How yeah. do you like that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Freaking mm. Paul. Mm. Well, you know, that's what I do. Hate that guy. Hate that guy. Take number 12. <laughs> Jeez, Aloo. That's just more editing for you, Paul. Good yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, Stupid more Paul. editing. No, that shit's staying in. <laughs> Everything stays in. And the fastest way to keep it in is to say, that'll be edited out. Yeah. Please exactly. edit that out. Please edit that out, Paul. <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, I wanted to, to uh, you know, start off with perhaps some sort of amusing anecdote, you know, have uh, you know a, a light conversation, but Paul, I, I'm very disturbed by what I read in the news this morning oh. about our you know our, our patron saint of comics, our dear old Stan Lee. Um, what we, did you we, read? we well, we see in the news that uh, our our you know elder statesman of comics has uh, been cut off, cut off, Paul, from the fellow who's taken care of him for years and years now, uh, and. There are folks who can't get in touch with uh, Stan any longer. You know, it seems like he, there is a a wall between him and some of the folks who care the most about him. Uh, we see that uh, Neil Adams has reached out to Bleeding Cool of all organizations to say, "What the f's going on with Stan? You know, why can't uh, why can't anybody get in touch with him? Uh, why isn't Max, you know, his handler, who's you know, again." taken care of him for years and years and apparently i mean you know is always at his side at uh you know comic conventions and you know fixes things for stan uh why doesn't he have access to stan anymore there's even a rumor that that stan's longtime lawyer has been uh, terminated as well though his lawyer denies that it's a little concerning it reminds me an awful lot of what happened to casey Kasem right before he died you know that uh, you know he he was cut off from people who cared about him. Uh, that people were were trying to control his money and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little concerning. Well, you know, Stanley has uh, done a. I don't know if you saw the video earlier this week. Where I mean, he um, he actually confirmed that he's been battling pneumonia. Right. He says he feels like he's, it's getting better, but um, I, I, I I I I'm sure this has all to do with with each other. And uh, you know, he actually canceled. Uh, a bunch of co- upcoming appearances at comic conventions. Well, I shouldn't say a bunch. His next two planned comic conventions appearances have been canceled uh, due to the pneumonia. It's, I mean, the guy's 95? Yeah, no, he's, he's, he, uh, he is aged and infirm. Yeah, so, I mean, it yeah. is... Yeah. Uh, Which means he needs his caretaker more than ever. Yeah. Yeah, I, it just concerns me when somebody that he has trusted when he was robust and healthy, right... Uh, is someone who doesn't have access to him, and and by all accounts, uh, Max, uh, his, the guy who's you know been his caretaker, uh, is a good guy. You know, yeah. he's not somebody who who is who is scamming Stan because Stan, you know, uh, it uh, all on the upfront. Stan has reimbursed this guy well all along, uh, yeah. so he doesn't have any reason to steal from Stan. Um, it just cons- I find this article very concerning, and as I said, it just reminds me an awful lot of what happened with Casey Kasem. 
which Aaron was very concerned about as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't give a rip about Casey Kasem, but I thought that was awfully sad. <laughs> well, hold on, that's a little harsh. I mean, <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I don't. No, I get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it it is. Uh, we will keep you update. Well, you'll you'll know. Before we tell you, I'm sure, should something happen to Stanley, but uh, it, I mean, things aren't looking good in in, in the Stanley world, and you know, I, I'm I, I will say I'm glad we didn't put him in for president, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, may, maybe he is just stepping back a little bit so that he can then make a big entry onto the political stage, you know, after the midterms. Oh, smart. Because you know, smart. that's when that's when you want to announce your candidacy, right? Is you know, after the midterms. Yeah. What, what would he run as? An independent, you think? Well. The Excelsior party? Excelsior! <laughs> yeah. Maybe Paste Pot Pete will be his uh, running mate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're worried about you, Stan. Get to feeling better. Yeah. Feel better soon. So, Aaron. Sir. There's this link in the show notes that... It involves a video, and since it involves a video, I don't watch those those videos on that YouTube thing. Huh. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna need you to tell me a little bit about what's going on here. Huh. <laughs> you don't you don't watch videos on the on, on the tube of you. No, I don't listen to podcasts either. Where where you post videos. <laughs> huh. Do as I say, well, not as I do. Well, I mean, that that would be the same, yeah. You because know, how many podcasters do we hear that don't listen to podcasts? So I I, I feel you, Paul. See, see. Um, <laughs> uh, I, however, listen to a ridiculous number of podcasts. Um, Diamond is is and has been apparently selling comic spinner racks, not just for the retail trade, but for you to own at home, dear listener. Um, and I got to tell you. I'm super fascinated about about it. And I mean, it's been a, a real successful um, item for, for Diamond. They're, they're saying that they have they have just almost sold through them. Um, I, I it, it, it cracks me up. I mean, I'm like, I, I, I if I can create this space in my man cave, I am so getting a spinner rack. What uh, would you put on the spinner rack? Old iPad. Well, here's a tablet. Here's another tablet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Dead I, iPads. Trade, trade paperbacks. I still own about five long boxes of comics that are very sentimental to me. So uh, they are they are they're they're in my closet right now, and I might put those up there. And and you're right, uh, Wayne. Uh, trade paperbacks. If I wanted a spinner rack, I would have bought them cheap when one of the comic book stores went out of business, or when Borders went out of business, or when any number of the uh, the places based on physical media have gone out of business. Wow. Borders, yeah, that's a blast cheap. from the past. It would have been cheaper than $299. Yeah, and that that is that is uh cost prohibitive in my opinion for something that I just kind of want as a as a uh, you know, bit of nostalgia. And I'll say one of the things I don't like about the spin rack is that it doesn't have the little sign on the top that says, "Hey kids, comics." Yeah, that's what you, you know, mean. That's, I, I do. Th- I mean, I, I what I would really like is one that's vintage, right? You know, something that's got to be somewhere, right? Those can't all be privately owned. I'm sure they're in like um, antique stores or thrift shops yeah. or something like that. And I, you know, I, I, it has never occurred to me until we're having this conversation. Uh, you could probably look on eBay, right? I, it'd probably be more expensive on eBay, yeah. but yeah, you're right. You'd probably walk through an antique sampler mall somewhere and pick one up. Yep. But uh, anyway, I just I thought it was cool. You know, I, I, I'd own one if I thought I had space for it uh, and put trades and and uh, various sentimental comics on there. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's, it, it is a very cool idea. 
Yeah. Well, I I did have the same thought, Aaron. Of I kind of want one now too, but I'm not paying. I am yeah, not paying two hundred ninety nine for it. Two ninety nine is outrageous for something that I can say. Hey, look, I got that. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've got I've got cigars and scotch to buy, guys. I I can't be throwing two ninety nine out the street. Just saying, <laughs> on the street <laughs> on a on basically a fancy shelf. That's right. Well, a, a fancy shelf that holds media that I don't really look at. It, it also <laughs> it, it also takes up a, a, an f ton of space. It yeah. does, and I mean, again, that's an issue as well because you know I, I, I am a, a little uh, you know real estate challenged in my man cave at the yeah. moment. Uh, I think yeah. we all feel you. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, my wife comes in, you know, and she'll look around. She goes, "The walls are kind of coming in at you, aren't they?" I'm like, "Shut up! <laughs> it's it's my like, feng shui." Don't tell me to shut up. And then it turns into an argument. <laughs> Get out! It's a man cave. I mean, to be fair, that honestly, that's about what they're going for on eBay. It's about two fifty. Oh, really? Oh, did you just take a quick look? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why you got to go to an antique sampler mall. Yeah. You got you to get it from somebody who doesn't know what they've got. I don't think that exists anymore. Oh no! No, oh, you can find those people. You know, like Stan Lee. He doesn't know yeah. what he's got. There's you know. <laughs> You just go to Stan Lee's place. You can you can find something cheap there. I'm thinking. I'm sure he has some spinner racks. Yeah, you know, his whole house is spinner racks. Yeah. <laughs> well, rather than living in the past, Marvel is continuing their fresh start announcements, and um, they announced a bunch of books this week and the creative teams that'll all be coming out like May through July um, timeframe, all with. Brand new shiny number ones. We talked about some of them last week, but the ones that were announced this week, and I'm just going to run down this list and then we can talk about them. Thor by Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo, featuring the Odinson again. Ghost Rider. Um, actually, I shouldn't say Ghost Rider. Cosmic Ghost Rider, um, who is currently featured in the pages of Thanos, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, Hulk by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. That's a more horror take on the Hulk. Uh, Captain America by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Laniel Francis Yu. Spider-Man by Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley. We actually mentioned that as a rumor a couple months back. And Doctor Strange by Mark Wade and Jesus Saiz um, are all coming from uh, the new Fresh Start initiative. And out of all of them, I gotta say, other th- I mean, I- I'm probably interested in Thor and Spider-Man. I- the Hulk being a horror book, that's been done before. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. I'm curious what their horror take is on it, but they already did it, and I wasn't that good. That was was it Bruce Jones who wrote that book? Yes, okay. it was Bruce Jones. I did not care for that run. That yeah, was like, I did not let's either. show Hulk in shadow on one page in um, an entire an entire arc. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm curious. Yeah. Thankfully, you guys will be talking about Thanos. I'm curious about this cosmic Thanos because I know nothing about it. I mean, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Well, I mean. actually, but I mean, we could talk about it now since we're in the in the moment. Um, so you know, uh, this past week, Marvel had a sale on their Marvel Legacy stuff, and I picked up the first two issues of Donny Cates' current run on Thor, or not Thor, Thanos. <laughs> we're just gonna get all this stuff wrong today, so just just be prepared. Um, Your source for misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I read those first two issues. Aaron, did you read the two both issues or just the first one? I read both of them. Um, so and let me tell you, those were a fantastic read. They were. I, I actually, 
if the book, if, if the entire arc was on sale or when the entire arc goes into trade, I will pick it up because then I'll be able to get the entire arc for four bucks versus four dollars an issue. Yeah. And that was the only, the only reason I didn't pick up the remaining books is because, you know, Marvel is really proud of their books and, uh, you know, wants you to spend a, a ridiculous sum of money. And, and, should, about- and shouldn't be proud of their books, by the way. Well, and how am I going to get that spin rack if I've spent all my money on a couple of issues of Thanos? So. There's that. Sure. Anyway, but, you know, here's here's what I loved about these two Thanos books, Paul. It felt like a Jim Starlin Thanos book. It did. It, it felt like and I'm not talking about something recent because we've had some problems with uh, Jim Starlin's, uh, uh, you know, Thanos stories of late. But I'm talking about something, you know, 1986. You know, it felt it felt big. It felt cosmic. It felt. It felt, you know, out of left field. Um, I didn't it know. It was what, genuinely I, surprising. Yeah. And this take on Ghost Rider, uh, who, who Cosmic Ghost Rider being, let me let me clarify, the Cosmic Ghost Rider that we see in this comic comes from the future. Yes. Right. But at some point in the future, and I, I'm guessing it's our fairly near future, the Cosmic Ghost Rider is the Herald to Galactus. Yes. And... Cosmic wow. Ghost Rider, instead of being, you know, one of the Ghost Riders that we have known previously, this one is just straight up Spirit of Vengeance. He is straight out of hell. And he, I loved him. I thought he was hysterical. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, you know, he gets over on Thanos because he's got a shard of a time stone uh, or of the time stone uh, cracked me up. And, you know, you, you see... Thanos all, you know, wrapped up in uh, the the Ghost Rider's chain, his chain, which is uh, made out of the bones of Citric, <laughs> you know, the same Citric that uh, Dr. Strange calls on when he when he casts his crimson bands of Citric. Uh, I, I thought that was hysterical because all you can see is Thanos's, you know, very pissed off eye bulging out of his head while uh, Ghost Rider is like, hey, man, just chill. I'm going to go take you to this meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This it, book was great. Yeah, it, it it's fun. It, it it is Thanos as I love Thanos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, overconfident, bastardy. Um, you know, but it, it it truly does have that cosmic feel to it. Um, and my favorite part about the two issues that I read is that in issue thirteen, which is the start of the arc, there's a three page backup that is written <laughs> by Do- by Robbie Thompson. It's just an origin of Thanos, but the art is by Ron Lim. Yeah, yeah, buddy. But my, but again, you know, we saw this in a couple of the other legacy books that we've read. Is that they give you the origin, and then they give you his origin again in the story. Yeah. So they give you the origin as a backup, and it's like those little, you know, three page, quick, you know, here's what you need to know about Thanos, and they give you almost the exact same story as part of the ongoing story. Yeah. Uh, so that was a little frustrating, but I got right past that because the book was so good. I loved the hail of rain, uh, blood rain yeah. that Ghost Rider threw down on the Chitarans as he was coming down to, to pick up Thanos. I loved, and I'll go ahead and spoil this, Thanos is being called to a meeting in the future by his future self, right? Mm-hmm. But So, you know, Thanos of the distant future. And, you know, it is very much a uh, Hulk versus Maestro sort of story. Yeah. I really got a kick out of it. I mean, I really did. I mean, it was it was unreal 
how much I enjoyed this story. It's been a long time since Is I've enjoyed a Thanos, Thanos story. more evil than current Thanos or is future Thanos good and evil current Thanos is evil? Well, you know, present Thanos doesn't approve of future Thanos. You know, it's kind of that whole, you know, Kang versus Immortus thing. Um, the uh, future Thanos is is maybe a little bit more mellow. You yeah. know, still evil, but a little bit more mellow in his evilness. So I would call him more lawful evil versus uh, Thanos's chaotic evil. Yeah, I would say at this point, it's still a little too soon to tell. Right. right. Um, we've only actually spent one issue. I, I mean, at, as of issue thir- 14, which is, uh, you know, we only read 13 and 14. I think there have mm-hmm. been two or three issues since then. Um, but in the two issues that we've read, only one of them really featured uh, an extended sequence with old man Thanos. And um, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty much a, a fight scene. So, yeah, but it was a good my, fight scene. Yeah, I guess my other real question then is uh, what does uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider ride? He rides a, a, a motorcycle with, instead of a wheel, a big glowy orb at the front. Yeah, it's pretty sweet looking. It, it looks pretty cool. I, I really like, and Cosmic Ghost Rider has kind of a bubble head. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I really like the design. I really do. And, and like I said, he's not terrifying. He's fun. Yeah. You know, and I, and I really dug how fun he is. I'm really liking the sound of it. Like, it, I... <laughs> I think I'm going to buy the book just for Cosmic Ghost Rider. Well, but I like the rest of the story you're describing, too. And, and Thanos, when Cosmic Ghost Rider shows up, is like, hey, you tell Mephistopheles if he wants something. And he's like, oh, no, no, I, I haven't seen that guy in forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here on a whole different thing. It, I, 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 love, I love the story. It was fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading the rest of the arc and, you know, hopping back to the fresh start stuff. Uh, I'm looking for uh, Jason Aaron staying on Thor. I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I think he's done a great job with Thor. Um, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley on Spider-Man. We talked about that. And, you know, as a like fan Nick of Spencer. Ryan Otley. Yeah. I, like yeah I, I love Otley's art. I wonder how he'll do not drawing blood and guts every week. Well, there's that. Yeah. But outside of that, um, I don't know. You know, like like we already talked I, about the Hulk book. I don't know about Doctor Strange by Mark Wade. Uh, I like I, Mark you know, Wade, but... I, I am interested in uh, Doctor Strange by Mark Wade, but I don't know who uh, Jesus Saiz is. He has done multiple books um, for like I, for a while. He was on um, he was doing DC Comics work like during the Infinite Crisis time frame, like that Checkmate book. I know he was the artist on that. Um, you, if you saw his art, you would recognize it. Would I like his art? I think so. Okay, I think he's well, well suited I- for Doctor Strange. See, uh, I have a hard, fast rule of any book that uh, Mark Wade writes immediately gets a first issue from me. He has earned my trust writing-wise. While everything hasn't been a home run, more has been than is not for me. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I, I, I'm, 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 I am deep, deep, deep on Team Wade. So uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Well, in other Marvel news, uh, you know, and, and hopping back to the cosmic world uh there is a, a report this week that fox has um you know so everyone's like why is fox still making marvel movies well because yeah. the deal is not the deal's been like not nowhere near closed right it'll be 2020 probably before everything's really in place um so fox is still investing in their marvel properties 
And uh, among the properties that Fox currently has in the works, um, there are two secret projects. One of them is the Doctor Doom solo movie, which we talked about recently. And the other one um, that's being reported by The Hollywood Reporter is that a script is currently being written by Brian K. Vaughn of Saga, Why the Last Man, Runaways, um, a Silver Surfer movie. Yeah, see, I have no faith in them at all to do Doctor Doom because they've shown they can't. But Brian K. Vaughn on the Silver Surfer, I'm I'm interested. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I think Silver Surfer is a tough nut to crack in general. And I think cinematically, I think, I don't know. I, I, I would be interested in seeing how it doesn't just turn into a cartoon. <laughs> you know, yeah. like everything in it's going to be CG. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sold, but I'm interested. I don't know how you make a Silver Surfer film and make it unless you're completely changing the character, how you make that approachable for anybody who is just not a hardcore comic fan. Well, perhaps you and go that, the Dan and, Slott route and just turn him into Doctor Str- or Doctor Who. Fair point. Wait, I actually really love that run. I, uh, I've i been reading the whole thing of it. I'm, yeah, I know we never talk about it, and uh, you guys didn't care for it, but... I loved his Doctor Who version of Silver Surfer. Yeah, well, I will say the only reason I didn't care for it wasn't the writing. I mean, we we I, I do like Dan Slott's writing um, periodically, uh, but I, I did not care for the um, Michael Mike Allred. Yeah, yeah. I just I sometimes I just can't abide that art. Uh, you know, it works well when it works well, but sometimes it's just too too offbeat for me. I think there's something about that character that I I just couldn't get. I'm not going to be able to get behind regardless. I, I, you know, my thing is, is that I think Silver Surfer works best when he is surrounded by other Marvel cosmic characters. You know, the Ron Lim run of Silver Surfer is far and away my favorite interpretation of the character. Agreed. I mean, he he was always involved in some sort of cosmic level crisis and uh, I, I think that's where he's best suited. When you put him on Earth, he does not work. The only exception to that for me is I do like him on Earth when he's part of the the Defender storylines. When you put him next to characters that are also ridiculously powerful, mm-hmm. then there's been some really good Defender stories. But Now, if yeah. all this gets me a real Defenders movie huh. featuring Hulk, Silver Surfer, and Doctor Strange... Oh, no, I need Nighthawk and Valkyrie in there. Oh, well, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Valkyrie would be the one from Thor, though. Oh, that's true. Ragnarok, you mean? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, Tim can't get behind Silver Surfer as a character. And, well, apparently no one can get behind the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it is said that this year, this season finale is being written as a series finale because um, they're, they're, they're pretty confident they're not coming back. Uh, How many seasons? Four? Five. Five. Wow, this will be five seasons. And I have, I've absolutely loved the first half of this season. That's how they get they, you, Wayne. They That's did something they really different. And I know that they're, I think they've come back now, and I haven't watched the first episode since they came back. So we'll see if it follows the track record of falling apart after the first <laughs> storyline. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is five half good seasons <laughs> um and, and then it just falls apart well and the final bit of marvel media news i don't know if you guys heard this that avengers infinity war 
has changed movie release dates. To when? April 27th. It's moving up. To earlier. Yes. It's the power of Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Yeah, they're saying it's Robert Downey Jr. talked them into it. What I really think it is, is that they are giving more space between that and Deadpool and um, Han Solo, which are all originally scheduled for May. Um, So, you know, Disney, it it only had a three-week lead time before Han Solo. I think that just, they were just going to conflict. I have to say... I, go ahead, Wayne. I'm sorry. I said they want to give it as much time being number one in the theater as they can. And uh, that won't happen when some of these other big ones come out. I am excited about Infinity War, but it doesn't consume my thoughts the way the Han Solo movie does. I am I am giddy about the Han Solo movie. I and I don't know why. I, it came out of the blue for me. I, I, I don't know why I'm so excited by that, but the trailer has me hooked. I, I'm excited because Ron Howard came in. If it, if it had kept the original creative team, I would have been a little less excited. Now that Ron Howard's involved, like, yeah, Ron Howard doesn't make shit. Of, yeah. those, of those three that you mentioned, Deadpool 2 was the one that I'd be like, yes. <laughs> See, I, I'm a little I'm a little leery of the Deadpool movie because they had the creative change midstream. So I, I'm that's that, that that has me concerned. See, I'm excited about Deadpool. I am super excited about Avengers even though Age of Ultron sucked. Uh, I'm not sold yet on Han Solo. I need more trailers. That trailer did nothing for me. All I did is wet my whistle, and I'm, and I'm ready for more. Well, Pour me the big drink. Well, now that Avengers comes out next month, I mean, it's it's about a uh, to, you know end of April now. It is next month from when we're recording this. They really need a full trailer um, for that damn movie. Yeah. Well, it's coming. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. Well, speaking of uh, confusing movie decisions, did you guys hear that Wonder Woman 2 apparently is in negotiations with Kristen Wiig to star as Cheetah? Really? Yeah. Um, really? Yeah. Who? Uh, so Kristen Wiig, um, she was the star, uh, I, w- I, w- I would say debatably the main character of the most recent Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, no. Stop that. Stop that conversation right there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a bizarre choice. It's a bizarre choice. It is a very out of left field choice. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Kristen Wiig. She was funny in Bridesmaids and Ghostbusters and Knocked Up. And and, well, and she and she she's a comedian. You don't want a comedian for Cheetah. No, she's also a dramatic actress. She was she was in the uh, OJ story on uh, FX, right? No, wasn't she? No, that was um, Sarah Paulson. You're right. It was Sarah Paulson. I apologize. Um, I mean, she is primarily known for comedy, but yeah, she has, of course, done dramatic roles. Uh, Here's the thing: she's a good actress. I enjoy her. I just don't know. I, I my concern is that by casting her in that role, we're doing the the Jamie Foxx, Uma Thurman, Jim Carrey, <laughs> like we're going to get that type of cheetah. Like, cause cheetahs, you know, she's a scientist, right? So are we going to get some type of quirky, weird scientist with pictures of Wonder Woman on her wall type, type scenario? I just yeah. don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. And see, I would prefer more of a Greg Rucka interpretation of uh, cheetah than anything else. Cause I enjoyed that story in the recent Wonder Woman arc. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's a little bit more tragic, you know? Yeah, uh, and maybe that's what we're gonna get. It's just it's an un, it, here's the thing. It is an unusual casting choice. Yeah. Um, but is it the wrong one? I don't know. I, you know, it, visually, 
you know, Cheetah's like naked. But so I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I, you know, I like so you're trying to visualize that, aren't you? Yeah, like I like I don't see it, but um, you know, surely they will be doing something different with Cheetah in the movie, unless no, it's going to be, gonna be motion R, capture. Paul. It's going to be a hard R. <laughs> <laughs> well, and... there'll be something hard if she's naked. <laughs> uh, so did you guys see the um, Shazam costume photo online this week? Shazam. Nope. No. Yes. Yes, I saw it. Okay. Yeah. So, it you know it they it was a not an official photo. There was yeah. a. Uh, it was a. It was a. It was a telephoto. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fake uh, fake photos. All right. Yeah. yeah. Go with the fake news from inside of the mall uh, where yeah. they were filming. Um, it it is extremely comic accurate. Um, right. for better or worse. I mean, it it is the the current Shazam with the. You know the the white cape that has the hood on it, um, very okay, red. Good. That that makes me happy because I think that will translate better to a movie than the classic costume. The so hood Paul, helps. So, Paul, do you recall the uh, the uh, Shazam Isis Power Hour from Saturday mornings way back in the day? Oh yeah, of course. It is it is as accurate as that costume. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, here's the thing to remember is that, you know, these costumes are digitally enhanced and color corrected you know? on, you know, right. and all that. And stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's wearing something as sort of the the foundation of the costume. But I mean, if you look at what the Black Panther costume looked like on set versus what it looks like on film, huge difference. Oh, yeah. Right. Um and I so hope they I'm, don't do too much of it, though, because I'm reminded of the Green Lantern costume. No, no, no. We're I, talking I, DC now. You know, you but say that, I, but I would say, but the Black Panther costume was just as CG as right. the Green Lantern costume. Well, and and the thing is, is you know the the whole idea of the CG costume for Green Lantern was that it was supposed to look like it was generated by the ring, whereas you know these other costumes have been you know they're supposed to look like they're wearing wearing a a, a, a suit of armor or a, uh, a a uniform or or what have you, um, and that that will be the intent here. It's going to look like he's wearing actual clothing. Uh, it's just going to be enhanced so that it looks cooler than it actually is, than than a piece of fabric could actually be, and it will enhance, you know, his his muscle musculature. I'm sure. I trust Marvel to do it. I don't trust DC at this point. I don't trust DC to well, do anything movie wise. Fair point. <laughs> fair point. But I, I, you know, I'm I'm hopeful for this film. You know, the director David Sandberg. He's done some good films so far. It's going to be interesting, but um, I'm excited about it. I, I'm I'm hopeful. And I do want to go on record that if Wayne is going to continue to make coherent, logical arguments, this entire podcast falls apart. Falls apart. Falls apart. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, well, one final bit of movie news. Well, it's not even movie news. It's TV news. Um, you know, I am a huge fan of Dave Stevens, The Rocketeer. You know, Dave Stevens passed away uh, a number of years ago. So, you know, um, IDW, I think, has been producing... Rocketeer books, just series of miniseries with different creative teams. Well, now Disney Junior has begun production on The Rocketeer, a new animated adventure series aimed at kids two to seven. No, dear. And inspired by Dave Stevens' comic book series, it's set to premiere in 2019. It features a young girl who receives a surprise package on her birthday, revealing that she's next in line to become The Rocketeer. Um, 
Armed with her cool new gear and secret identity, Kit is ready to take flight and save the day with her gadget-minded best friend, Tesh. Each episode will feature a pair of 11-minute stories and include an original song. So I have two thoughts on this. The first one is not even remotely interested. I won't watch it. The second is that I'm really glad this is going to exist because I've got a niece that's right in that age frame that got into DC superhero girls. And this just kind of rings of that type of show for me that it can introduce her to the concepts of the characters and that it's something that she would really enjoy. So even though I have no intention of watching it and it sounds utterly horrible, (laughs) I think it having it there for the kids of that age is a good thing. Well, and then you can crush her dreams by showing her the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, it's, um, I I think I feel the same way about you. Uh, not about you. As (laughs) (laughs) Damn. I'm not interested. I have no interest. As you. I'm glad Wayne exists. People who are into that. (laughs) That's a Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we I think we love <laughs> I think it's a cool idea for kids. Um, I, I would, you know, but I'm a, I'm a I'm a 40 year old man. Like, you know, of course I want the Rocketeer how I want the Rocketeer. But uh, I, it, it could be a fun idea to bring kids into that concept. And it's you know what it's it's a it's a better use of the property than we've had in years anyway. So at least it's not a dormant property. True. You know, I, what's, what's the name of the company that pulls television? Nielsen. 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 How do you think Nielsen, uh, would, would pull two year olds on, on, on a show? You think that's a thing they do? I think it is. They're aiming for two to seven. You're sending out the survey to the two year old. Well, doesn't now the parents are, yeah, the the parents in the box will track that. What's more important for that age range when it comes to TV shows has nothing to do with what's actually being watched. It's the toy market. Yeah, yeah. The success of that show will be dependent on how many toys sell, not how many people watch the show. Yeah, and advertising. Yeah, yeah. What commercial block they're selling? Because that's what killed Young Justice was the lack of toy sales. But it's coming back. Yeah, what brought it back was a new model where people could actually track the, you know, the watching of it. Yeah, the thing that's disturbing about the uh, the content on broadcast television is that it's not about the content. It's not about the program. It's about what they can sell while you're watching the program. And you know, when when, when at a certain age, when I made that that realization, like, oh. It's just a vehicle to sell things to me. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so disturbing. That, that, that is essentially how t- how how non-paid TV works. Yeah. It's it's yeah. what well, and it's the so only disturbing. exception is things on like public broadcast, like when Mister Rogers was on in Sesame right. Street. Right, that right. is about content, but yeah, that's not the mainstream. Yeah, nobody really cares about about quality content in television, except that it brings you. To a place so that you know you're, you're a captive audience and they can sell you you know sweet sugary cereals. Yeah. Oh, God, I love sweet sugary cereals. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> well, I'd like some cocoa puffs right now. Right now, go get them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. <laughs> so, let's talk about some comics. Is that what we do here? Well, 
we we try to fit it in at the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're going to talk about a couple comics, starting with Detective Comics nine seventy five. And before we get into the content of the issue, I want to touch on two points. One is uh, on the inside, at least on the comic edition or on the digital edition. If you like, the first page of it is an ad for Deathstroke versus Batman, which is interesting uh, for me because it's a six part series within a series which uh, means that DC is doing like the old Batman year one um, scenario where they're having a mini series, but take place within the content of an edition of, of a series rather than publishing as a separate series, which I think is, you know, that's a, a I'm, I'm actually kind of glad to see them doing that because it doesn't make you buy extra books. Well, I'll, I'll confirm that that is not on the physical copy. Oh, um, it's, it's pretty, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, we talked about this when they was first announced. I will pick up at least the first issue to see how it is. And, uh, the other thing I want to talk about, which is that this is the beginning of the end for James Tinian, the fourth, who announced this week at Emerald city comic-con that he is leaving detective comics with issue 981, which will see the end of what he has planned for the series, uh, since he started. That's sad. It is because I, 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 this this has been such a terrific run. It does seem like this whole concept is ending, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, Wayne. Like it, it is definitely winding down the uh, what did they call it? The baddest, baddest machina or whatever they're calling it. But it's yeah, it's been a really good run. And 975, the one we're going to talk about today was extremely good oh my god I, I think it might be the best batman book i have read in years and that's saying something with as much as i'm enjoying the current batman run uh and what is it the tom king run right yeah. tom king tom taylor i get my toms tom confused um some tom <laughs> some tom but but i mean this this book was fantastic take it away tim I have never been a Barbara Gordon Batgirl fan, but holy crap, this book was amazing. She she tore up Bruce Wayne, just tore him up. Um, So the story the story is, is that uh, Bruce is Bruce is called the the bats back to the Belfry, basically, to talk about what Batwoman did and what they're going to do about it. And yeah, no. Every every character beat in the, in this book was perfect, spot on. Like, you know, you 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 heard from, you know, Red Hood, and you heard from Nightwing, and you heard from Tim Drake, and they were all like perfect representations of what you've seen from those characters. I think that was the best uh, Jason Todd dialogue we've seen since he came back from the dead. I, you know, I. I, I agree with you, and I think that's true of every single character in this book. The thing that I, I that I noted so clearly is that everyone's voice was so unique and so in character. I wasn't hearing a character saying the writer's words. I was hearing the character talking. And that's what I found so amazing about Barbara Gordon is that she was – if this was the Barbara Gordon that I saw over in the Batgirl books, I'd be picking up that book. Um, because that's not the Barbara Gordon I saw back when I, when I first sampled those books. It could be the case now because I'm not reading that book now. But at that time, 
time in this costume, she was not she was not that character. No, and I, I did I did a storyline recently there, Aaron, with uh, her and Nightwing. And no, that's not the voice that we she had in that storyline either. Well, I, I I really dug this Barbara Gordon. I mean, because Tim's right. She, you know, read Batman the Riot Act and her argument was compelling. And this is another thing that I'm fascinated about in this story is, you know, the the writer creates the problem. The writer creates the, the problem and the answer. And a lot of times when you get to that answer, it feels very contrived, right? This has been an amazing layer cake of issues uh, that the reveal that Barbara pulls is, I mean, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's absolutely what Batman did. You know, yeah, he yeah, and I'm I'm just I'm amazed at the the very complex level of storytelling that is all 100% in character for all of these characters. And it's such a great misdirect too because you could totally buy the fact that Bruce Wayne finally said, "Tim, all these dreams you've had, I'm going to throw money at it. Yeah. Make it happen." Right. Like that's that's a story you'd believe. But wow. Yeah. yeah, that was a great misdirect. I don't want to ruin it either, but no, I don't either. But you know, the 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 whole reason these guys have gotten together is Batwoman at the end of the previous issue shot and killed Clayface, right? And she did that because of reasons. Uh, <laughs> Clay, <laughs> Clay, Clayface was was going bad. He was trying to be good, but he was going bad, and he was becoming this big kaiju sized monster yeah. that was going to crush Gotham and. Uh, Cassandra Cain, uh, what is her name now? Orphan, uh, I guess. Orphan. Yeah, Orphan. Yeah. Terrible uh, name. Yeah, I agree. It, it means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> but Orphan is right there next to Clayface and appears that she's going to be just immediately murdered by Clayface. So Batwoman, being a soldier, a trained so- soldier with her sniper gun, Shoots and kills Clayface. And so this issue is sort of the trial. Can Cassand- uh, can uh, Batwoman remain as part of the Bat family? Yeah. And out of curiosity, Aaron, did you read the storyline that gave Cassandra's origin in this world? Yes, absolutely. Okay, because I remember it was a uh, Batman and – it was specifically a Batman and Robin story without Batman. It was right. like the flashback one. I read that whole storyline and I – you know, where she gets the name Orphan and shows up. Oh and no! I, yeah, no, I, I did not read that. I thought you were talking about Batwoman. No. Okay. Sorry. No, I did not read that. I, I haven't read much about Orphan, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Because that gave where she got the the name from in that whole history. Oh. There's a whole mini series that was like a 24 issue mini series about it. Wow, 24 issues. Is that what you said? 24. Yeah, it was Batman and Robin Eternal. It was one oh. of those weekly series, I think. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Well, beyond the fact that this book is exquisitely written, it is beautifully drawn by uh, Alvaro Martinez. My nominee Uh, for Best Artist of 2017 at the Funnies. It it is a gorgeous book, and the the pages are just sprawling. You know, I read this digitally, but Tim, you're going to have to tell me how it looked on the page, because I imagine that those big double pages are just gorgeous. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the center one with the Nightwing symbol. Uh-huh. And all of the uh, all of the offsets with uh, Batwoman and Clayface, yeah, it was it was incredibly drawn. 
Yeah. How, how, no how are we going to go through this entire book and not talk about Gorilla Boss? <laughs> well, we were until you did that. <laughs> I love that page. I love the page of Batwoman fighting all the uh, all the ape uh, gangsters. It was great. You even had one with a cigar. It was great. I, I, I've never agreed with, with Batwing before in, in a comic book, but he's like, yeah, I'm not really going to say his name out loud. <laughs> That's basically what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought this book was fantastic. And I, 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 mean, I put it down after I was done reading. And I was like, that, that may be the best Batman book I've read in years and years. It was so good. Very strong. Very strong book. And I'm happy to hear that we all felt the same way, except for maybe Paul. No, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Great uh, book. Great book. I, 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 I mean, damn. And, you know, I, I do, here's the thing. I don't know that it, that it rewards a one-time reader. No, um, I think I think the payoff for in this book is having read the stories that came in front of it, you know, particularly the, the most recent arc uh, in which Clayface dies. We're definitely Be- building to an ending, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And true. True. The- but I, I think part of it also, Aaron, is, is the stories before that, too, where you got to see Clayface. Right. Uh, as a good guy, become a good guy. Yeah. Well, and you need to know all of these characters for it to really impact. You need to know who Jason Todd is. You need to know who yeah. Dick Grayson is and Tim to really get that. Yep, agreed. Why what they're saying makes it mean so much. Yeah, it's it's a continuity heavy book. You know, it is you you need to understand the relationships and the history. Uh, you need to understand what happened in the recent stories. And you know, I got to tell you, uh, life goal. I want to bake cookie. I want to bake brownies with Alfred and watch TV. That's what I want to do. Maybe not. You wouldn't, LA, you wouldn't want sure. to. You wouldn't want to be downstairs making decisions. You'd be like, no, I just want to go bake. I want to. I want with, with Alfred. I mean, Alfred seems like a, a a great buddy in which to 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 bake brownies with and watch some public television. That's I'm all. Sure, I'm they're hash brownies. <laughs> I thought for sure when he said when he started talking about what's on PBS, I'm like, is it a Downton Abbey marathon? But no, it was the it was the Royal Ballet, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> I I'd like to know how she gave him the slip to go down there and sit in the rafters and listen. That was a flashback. I don't think she was. Wasn't that a flashback or was she actually down there? I got the impression she snuck down and was listening with that picture because they were talking about her. I'm looking now. Now you've got me wondering because I just assumed that, that yeah, that's was, a flashback. Yeah, that's okay. what I thought. Yeah, that's a flashback from when she was, uh, you know, at the um, opera a theater or whatever. Yeah, or not opera, ballet. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, anyway, okay. great book, great book. Well, we we have we have uh, you know shined its rod long enough. We can move on to the next thing, which I believe is Action Comics number nine ninety eight. Two more issues. Well, one more issue until the big one zero zero zero. That's crazy talk. Great, great. So this was the conclusion of Booster Shot. And I'm going to let Wayne take it away. I I could not have been happier with the end of the storyline. I think it was the best issue out of the entire storyline. Really got to see Booster kind of step up. And Superman is realizing Booster is not the person that he had envisioned him to be. That he's, you know, more responsible. Uh... So you go through and you deal with the Zod story, and then they get back to what happened at the end of last issue. I don't think we talked about it, but last issue ended with Lois's death being and, riddled. Yeah, and uh, her father's death as well. Yeah, being riddled with bullets. And 
this issue, when they finally come back, Booster sees that and goes back in time to rescue them without Superman ever having the knowledge that he did it. And that after that conversation that they had just had about, you know, aren't you ever tempted to change something? And of course, having read Booster, we all know that he has been <laughs> and that he he tried with Batgirl to stop uh, what right. Joker did to her. And it fails over and over and over again. So we knew that he was feeding Superman a line there that he actually had been tempted. And but then you get to see that payoff show right away of, OK, now he's going to go save it because Superman just watched his mother die. Right. And that was a brutal scene. I, I thought this was it was a really enjoyable story. Uh, I, honestly, when when I read the end of the previous issue and Sam Lane and Lois and John are all sprawled out on the forest floor and there's blood over Sam and Lois, you know, I'm like, you know, this isn't a thing. And so I, I really didn't stress about it. What I did not anticipate is that the fix was was a time correction. And I should have assumed that because, you know, we've got a time sphere out there, yep. right? The same but, thing, uh, Iron. I didn't think that either. Like, yeah. I didn't think it was a big deal until the moment Booster said that they are dead. You're right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't expect the time fix either. But it does it does beg the question. I mean, if you've got uh, a time sphere, why are you returning back to your to your time at any moment other than the second after you left? <laughs> you know, why do you return back at enough time that this kind of crap has happened? Well, listen, Aaron, it's hard to work when you find when you suddenly have arms and legs. Skeets That's was true. having a bad day. Yeah, that's true. He was he well he was distracted by the uh, you know upward mobility, the whole you know walking around upright thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like this is very this yeah. is a very weird way to, to travel because you know Skeets Skeets lost his you know regular little hover car body and uh, you know his little drone body and uh, you know took over an Eradicator uh, robot. And so, you know, he's walking around looking awfully badass as an Eradicator robot. Yeah, you know, and I was kind of torn on that. Part of me was thinking that's pretty cool and would be interesting. The other part was thinking, no, I want Skeets as he was. I do like the fact that uh, Zod's kid crushed him like a tin can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crunch. Well, and that, that wasn't, you know, part of the conflict in this book uh, is that, you know, uh, Superman and Booster and Skeets had wound up in the future on New Krypton. And where, you know, General Zod, Ursa, and their son, Lore, uh, Lore, Lar? Let's say Lore. Okay. Uh, I was all of a sudden thinking about Data's brother, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, they he are. Does have, he does have a goatee, so. Uh, could be, you never know. But, uh, uh, they have taken over this planet, subjugated its denizens, and creating their own new Krypton. And uh, as 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 they're fighting the Zods, <laughs> um, Booster gets old Zod, you know, General Zod in a headlock, and tells his son, "One more move, and I'll blow his head off." And he's like, "Yeah, fine, go away. That old guy's been standing in my way all these years." And I was like, "Nice." <laughs> I like nice. how Booster goes ready to shiv somebody. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the Ursa's reaction of, you know, she's shocked that her son would do this. Right. But I think Zod was probably proud. Well, I mean, it makes it for a really awkward conversation after you know Booster, Superman, and Skeets, you know, get out of town. You know. Well, son. and I let's talk about this. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but. Uh, 
this is all being set up in uh, Green Lantern right now. Because yeah. Green Lantern is that he's taken that planet and the Green Lantern Corps is trying to fight him. Uh, and I've seen that storyline. I haven't picked it up, but I've seen that storyline. Are you enjoying that? I just picked it all up this week. I haven't read any of it yet. Well, we've had two out of three fantastic books. Four out of five, if you include the Thanos books. Uh, what about our fifth, Paul? What about the very much anticipated first issue of the Terrifics? Well, it was terrific. Was it? I was it in keeping with the title. Yes, I think so. So you know, we have been talking about how much we've been looking forward to this book, but I became more cautiously worried, um, or cautiously optimistic as weeks went on, and these New Age of Heroes books have just been consistently shitty. Um, (laughs) But I still had faith in Ivan Rice and Jeff Lemire and Joe Prado. And I gotta say, this is, you know, we 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 talked about how these New Age of Heroes is basically DC imitating um, Marvel books, you know, filling in the gaps of their line, Damage being the Hulk and Silencer being the Punisher, Sideways being Spider Man, um, Curse Curse of Brimstone. If you read the preview, is basically Ghost Rider. Um, so this was their answer to Fantastic Four, and I gotta say, even though Marvel is now doing. A, a, a good Fantastic Four book. Um, this had all the right notes for a good Fantastic Four type story, I, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was a strong first issue. I, I liked the characters. Uh, you know, I, Mr. Terrific can be sometimes hit and miss, and I thought he was well written throughout the, the, the course of this book. Yeah. Uh, Plastic Man is always hard for me uh, because I just find him too ridiculous. But I also enjoyed Plastic Man in this book. They wrote, uh, enjoy- they, they subdued everyone's personality to a palatable yeah. <laughs> format. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure Metamorpho is really a hit or miss character as well. Now that you mention it, I've always liked Phantom Girl. Mm-hmm. I've I've never had an issue with her, but she's not always interesting enough, and she cannot carry her own book. Is like, she is she from the Legion? The Legion I always, of superheroes. I always thought she was, but I don't know enough yeah. about her to say that definitively. Yeah, it's like I think she is. The last book they did though, when they start when they did a new fifty two book for her, they never mentioned her being from the future or the Legion at all. Yeah. So I don't know if she still is, but I'm assuming she is. Yeah. Yeah. She originally was. Yeah, I love this book a lot. Uh, the Ivan Rice artwork is amazing. Uh, I thought, you know, Jeff Lemire did it, did a, did a terrific job uh, writing this first issue of the Terrifics, and it's got me wanting more. So, you know, well done, first issue. Yeah, and Ivan Rice is on for the first three issues, I think, three uh, or four issues. But then Doc Shaner takes over. Okay. Because Ivan right, Rice moves right. over to do Superman with uh, Bendis. Okay. All right. I'll let it go. Yeah, I, I I'll really, let it go. Really enjoyed this book. So, yeah, glad we stuff. picked it up. Well, next. So, week, I mean. We liked every book we read this week, Paul. Yeah, we did. That's crazy. That never happens. No, usually we have something to bitch about, but maybe next week. Maybe next week. Well, I mean, other than Wayne, what did we have to bitch about this week? Well, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next week we get new issues of Batman and Superman and Batman White Knight, as well as the first issue of the new Robert Kirkman book from Image Comics, Oblivion Song. Um, it's a, a science fiction book written by Kirkman. Uh, folks have been kind of talking about it a lot in the media lately because Kirkman's big in the news. And more importantly than any of that, 
Star Wars Rebels airs its final episode this coming Monday. So even though not everyone on the show talks about it, look for Wayne and I to chat a little bit about it when uh, yep. when we record next. I know I've been watching the season so far. So, well, guys, I think Very that exciting. does it for us. What a deal. Well, it was a great issue, and it was a great week in comics. Hopefully next week will be the same. You know, maybe we've turned a corner in 2018. I'm, I'm sure hopeful. we have it. No, no, we have. I'm, I'm confident we have. This is the optimistic podcast, Wayne. The, the Opticast. Actually. <laughs> oh, I'm on the wrong cast. Then. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, you know what? I forgot to mention one thing that comes out next week. Uh-oh. Infin- You're going to ruin it, aren't you, Paul? I am, because Infinity Countdown number one comes out f- next week for Marvel. I'm Didn't hopeful. we just read Infinity Countdown number we one? We read Infinity Countdown in- Prime. Oh, shit. Here's the okay. actual start of the series by Jerry Dugan okay. and Aaron Cooter. <laughs> Aaron's like, we read this crappy book. <laughs> I don't want another crappy book. <laughs> We're getting another crappy book next week. Yay. <laughs> oh, bye, everybody. <laughs> At least we'll, retar- we'll return to center. We'll have something to bitch about. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> bye, guys. You guys have a good week. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.